Welcome to Native Yoga Toddcast. My name is Todd McLaughlin, and I will be your host. If you would like to learn more about our upcoming live stream yoga classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and or our online yoga studio, please visit us at nativeyogacenter.com. Thank you. Sit back, relax, and we hope you enjoy this episode. So pleased that you are here to join in with my guest today, Tim Feldman. And Tim is a director down at Miami Life Center with his wife, Kina McGregor. Uh, check Tim out on his website, timfeldman.com, T-I-M-F-E-L-D-M-A-N-N.com. All right, let's get started with our conversation today. I'm excited for some of the topics that we cover. Check it out. <clears throat> I have Tim Feldman here with me today, and I'm so excited to talk to you, Tim. How are you doing? Yeah, good, Todd. How are you doing? I'm doing really good, you know, just taking it one day at a time here and, um, you know, just kind of going with the flow the best we can. And, and uh, that's why I feel really appreciative that you're taking some time out of your day because I always feel inspired when I get a chance to talk to you and, and um, get some teaching advice and insights. So thank you so much. Well, thank you right back, Todd. We go way back. I know. And it's always a pleasure to be in your presence. Well, thank you, Tim. That's awesome, man. Well, so that people can get a chance to know you, can you uh, tell me a little bit about uh, how you were first introduced the world to the world of movement and yoga? Because I know you uh, have a lot of years in the career of dance and yoga. Can you tell me how you kind of first got involved in movement art? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I think when I was six, my mom brought me to swimming classes. I did that till I was about 10 years ago, 16, 17, and was like competitive swimmer. So I think uh-huh. during that time, I got really into like the whole body thing. You know, I was super active and like and way too much energy when I was a kid, that <laughs> kind of thing. And then uh, around that time when I gave up swimming, there was some people, some friends, some mentors that introduced me to physical theater. Mm which is like borderline dance somewhat, right? And of physical expression, at least. And I did that for a little bit and um, slowly segued over into dance and uh, ended up in a, a institution, in a, in, a, in a school, the University of, uh, Dance Department in Holland. I'm originally from Denmark, but I moved to Holland because I was nowhere to uh, do that kind of training in Denmark. So I moved to Amsterdam. Yeah, and I went to school there. Technically speaking, four and a half years, but most of my time was spent apprenticing for companies outside of Amsterdam. A company in New York, a company in Copenhagen, wow. and a company in Sydney, Australia. Um, and then after that, I started to work as a dancer. And then very briefly after that, I just moved to New York. I went to Venezuela to visit some, some friends, and there I had an accident. I, I slipped over a ridge in the mountain oh. outside of Caracas, fell down, broke uh, most of my body, <laughs> and uh, took two years in rehabilitation, uh, learning to dance, and, uh, sorry, to walk, and uh, going in and out of minor surgery. <clears throat> and um, 
the doctors told me that I would not be able to dance again, and they I was offered invalid pension. Whoa! In Mark has social 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 medicine. You yeah. Know, so that, but after two years, I was back in New York and got myself a job as a dancer, and I was dancing there. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> while I was there, another friend took me to a yoga class. Uh-huh. And uh, at the Jiva Mukti Center, uh-huh. and I just flipped and loved it. So the Jiva Mukti for about five years. Then I met Lino Mele in the end of the 90s. And uh, Lino Mele was one of the only Ashtanga Yoga teachers in Europe during those days. Uh-huh. I had now moved back to Denmark, by the way. And um, I just got hooked, completely hooked on the Ashtanga Yoga. And then I practiced with him for five years, started to go to Baisal. I was afraid to go because I heard that Patabi Joyce was a very strong hand man. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I had some some physical issues that needed some petting rather than a strong hand. Yeah. Um, and then when I finally built up the courage and the, the necessary skill set that I thought was necessary, then I started going there and uh, practiced with Patabi Joyce there for about five years. But I had already met him on tour a couple of times, so altogether about nine years with Papa Joyce. And when he died, I continued uh, studying under his uh, grandson, um, Shalak Joyce, and I still do that to this day. Nice. Man, I, I vaguely remember you telling me about your fall from the ledge of the mountain, and you and you said mm-hmm. multiple bones, but like to the point that where the doctors literally said you wouldn't be able to dance again. I mean, when they said that to you, did you did you just right off the bat say I don't buy it and I'm going to prove you wrong, or was it a was it like it sounded like it was a two year process of of rehabbing? Yeah, first of all, I had no idea how long it would take. <clears throat> when I fell off this mountain ridge, um, I had just been offered a job. This was in February, right? And yeah. I, I had been offered a job in June, a really awesome job with a uh, American choreographer that lived in Paris. Mm. And um, I was supposed to have a beard for this particular performance. <laughs> so I was growing a beard at this moment. Uh-huh. I just started doing that. And I kept growing that because I thought, yeah, in February, I'm going to be fine in June. Uh-huh. But so when the doctors were telling me, listen, you're not going to get ready in June. <laughs> you know, as a matter of fact, you're going to have to change your profession oh. because you will never run again. Yeah. And not even, and therefore, of course, not then. I was kind of, I don't know, I think I have some kind of chip malfunction in my brain I didn't, <laughs> I didn't believe them I thought you don't know what you're talking about yeah so, uh, that's amazing yeah that obviously has to be one of the key key ingredients because if you did listen then you would have just sat down and said well I guess I'm done I suppose yeah yeah no, I just thought you know like during this whole rehab um when the physical therapist said to me we can't do anything else for you then I just went on to a next, another modality. Right. But I was, by the way, really lucky. The physical therapist that was assigned to me was the assistant physical therapist to the uh, to Team Denmark, which is the Olympic uh, committee oh. in Denmark that is training and 
rehabbing the Olymp- Olympic athletes in Denmark. Wow. So she brought me into that institution because I think she could see I had a little bit more fire in my butt. Yeah. I just wouldn't take no for an answer, you know? Uh-huh. So she would bring me in there and like allow me to use their facilities and and that was that was really useful. That's awesome, Tim. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I recently saw some photos of you having the opportunity to do motorcycle touring. I don't remember what country you were in, but it was like an awesome picture of you somewhere where it looked really dry and desert. Where was that? There, there must have been Arizona. I've been, I've been riding motorcycles for some years now, and every now and then I take a trip. And right now, that's heaven for me. That's uh, just like get on a motorcycle uh-huh. and, and ride with either alone or with some friends. I freaking love it. But I think if it was dry, it's probably Arizona. I was down in Arizona and Utah with a friend, Danny, and we were driving there. Nice. That's cool, Tim. Do you Have you ever read the book um, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance by Robert Piercig? I did. I think when I was 18 or something, I read that book. But I, I have been thinking I should pick it up. <laughs> That's cool. Have you read it recently? No, it's been a long time. It was, a, it was For me, it was a high school read as well. And I, yeah. I remember uh, getting inspired by that whole road trip journey yeah. idea. And um, what kind of uh, similarity or do you, do you find that your yoga practice uh, like, um, I don't know when I think about sitting on a motorbike and I think, well, how could, how would my yoga practice help me? But obviously there's, there's balance involved and focus and enduring pain too, right? To some extent, because riding a motorbike, I would think would be uncomfortable for long, for the long haul. Can you see similarities between your yoga and your motorcycling experience? I think very much so. You know, the way in yoga that we talk about that we are not our body, that our body is a, is a sheet around who we are, that our body is a, basically a tool with which mm. we can, you know, uh, reach out towards what we want and thrust away from what we don't want. I feel that, and we feel that a lot on the on the mat, right? We're working there, we try to put our leg behind the head, we try to bend our back, we try to jump back and jump forward <laughs> and all that. And some days it works better than others. And it's all about how much concentration, how much we somewhat can find ourselves taking concrete steps to getting in the zone. And when we get in the zone, everything comes together. Yeah. And on the motorcycle, it's the same. Like when you are on that motorcycle, then the motorcycle becomes a extension of the, of, of the body. Mm. And, you know, how well you merge with the bike um, makes your ride so much better. Uh. And I had like some of these kind of like mystical experiences, you know, like, you know, the whole idea of Mula Banda, for instance, yeah. is a good uh, example. So, you know, we spent years trying to figure out what that is. Uh-huh. And then we begin to figure out what that is and we begin to be able to work with that consciously. So often when I am in a situation where that's anxiety or where I have extra good in the moment, yeah. then I'll move into like a mula banda kind of action in my body, in my mind. Mm. And I've been doing that on the motorcycle. But yeah. the mula banda is that it's right at the bottom of my body. And I realized on the motorcycle, I need to drop further down. Mm. So if I, 
if I allow myself to drop all the way down into the motor, into the boxer engine below the seat, yeah. then there is a whole new steadiness and new rotor heart down there. Wow. That sounds crazy. No, I like it. I, that's why I wanted to ask you that because I, I, I know that you're passionate about it. And I, I think what's so cool about being into yoga for so long and then and then finding other outlets that then merging the two is 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 such a rewarding experience so i I really i appreciate your your insight on that i have not thought of that thought before i don't really think about that when i drive my car but i think motorbikes must be more i don't know just like like you know it's you got to be on it it's very physical yeah it's really like you know like that's a skill set so like you know, your car like for me at least I, i'm sure there's people that ride cars like passionately like that but yeah. for me a car is a transportation device i don't really care about cars very much <laughs> but the motorcycle has become my passion and i feel that like the whole skill set that you need to learn to ride the bike is the same uh, is it, very comparable to the skill set that we need to do a uh, 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 advanced yoga practice on the on the yoga mat. That's cool, Tim. I appreciate that answer. That was good. Uh, I have a question. And, and, and yeah. if I can say one more thing about that, you may. So I'm taking all these classes about how to learn to write fast, how to learn to write small corners really slowly, uh, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's basically like going to yoga class and uh, learn first series and second series. That's cool. Super fun. That's Super fun. That's awesome, Tim. I hear you. But, but, but I can tell you that the, your back then sucks. After doing <laughs> <Yeah. that song. laughs> I would imagine after a, a hunch like that. Like, oh, man. Right? Oh, I have to go the other <laughs> way now? <laughs> exactly. It's like, please don't let me. <laughs> Uh, you know, I I definitely think that Ashtanga can be looked at as a real technical movement practice, and it seems to have like engineering concepts woven intelligently into the posture order. Um, from the side of from the technical side, can you offer any insight into? Like the the building process that occurs, say in relation to like learning the Murdhyasana family, uh, and and then like how how does that lay the foundation for what's to come? And and I want to ask that too, in the sense that maybe some of the people listening, when they hear the word Murdhyasana, go, I don't even know what pose you're talking about, but so that people can maybe have a visual, maybe you could explain Murdhyasana, and then I guess to what, what have you noticed over the years of practicing Ashtanga Yoga, how there is this intelligence and in the sequencing and how it prepares you for what's to come? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah let me give that a try. Yeah, so even Marichasanas, is there's four uh, poses in the first series of Ashtanga Yoga, the primary series, that's called Marichasana, called ABCD. And then again in fourth, there's another four notes, another four Marichasanas. I do not know the fourth series, but I see my wife do it. You know, uh-huh. torture herself on a daily basis. <laughs> um, now, so the Marchasana, let's see, it's a forward fold, but you bend one leg back. So one leg is straight, you sit on the floor. The other one, leg is bent back. So you move to the side, your knee up towards your chest. Then you reach around and you try to catch your hands 
clasp your hands behind your back as you're leaning forward to that to uh, uh, on the inside of the bent leg yeah. and uh, onto uh, the straight leg. Does that make somewhat sense? Can I think it does. That? I think that. You know, right? Yeah. So that's the first one, and then the second one is the same, but you use the opposite arm to the opposite leg, so then it becomes a twist in that. And then there's two more where you take. Uh, the straight leg, and you put it into a lot of positions, so you uh, get a little bit uh, get a little bit more difficult. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> so uh, so that's the Marichi, and the the Marichi was sent in the old uh, uh, Rishi uh, in the old Indian times, apparently, and uh, uh, he was called the Illuminated One because he was really smart. Uh huh. But um, so that's a little bit about the Narichasana. That when you're talking about the engineering of the sequence and stuff, and I think that and of the body, I find that my my interest in my most of my life of anatomy and how the body has been put together, uh, how the bones fit and how the muscles fit together, and which muscle moves which bones and in which way and so forth, has informed me. And I would say that without this interest, I would never have been able to beat the game uh, that the doctors mm. set forth for me in the, the early 90s. Mm. Uh, if I had not had interest in how the body functions, I would not have been able to overcome the obstacles, the physical obstacles at that time, right? mm. I believe. But because I found it truly inspiring and interesting to dive deep into the body and see how I could rehab tiny small muscles on the inside that I didn't know I had. Uh, due to that, I could overcome uh, my injury. Mm. And still to this day, I have to do this. <clears throat> and I find with a little bit of knowledge about physiology and anatomy and with a conscious, technical, analytical uh, approach to the body, had the possibility of making the practice a little bit easier or if not easier than at least possible because we learn how the body how the body grammar works so we don't get in our own way don't do wrong movements so the the body actually can't accomplish the task at hand but we learn exactly how to pivot here and so forth and uh, then also it has the possibility of giving keeping us healthier and more injury-free when we are taking that approach, right. in, in my opinion. And I, I find that um, Patabi Joyce and Krishnamacharya, who built these sequences, um, being very, very aware of how the body moves, and therefore they built it, or they, con they built, they constructed a sequence that was so smart, so brilliant from one simple movement principle into the next movement principle into the next principle and then combining them so we got a little bit more well-versed in their uh, versatility. And then they would keep going like that. And I find that in the advanced postures, it's the same uh, mechanics exactly as in the intermediate postures and in the, in the beginner postures. It's just, combined in more complex patterning 
mm. and in more challenging patterning that in the beginning. Mm. Like that. Yeah, that's cool. So we continue like that. <clears throat> and the whole sequence, in my opinion, is so geniusly constructed. So when I am in trouble with an asana somewhere, I have personally come to the place where I don't so much question whether it's a good idea to do the asana. I'm more questioning about how I can figure out a way to um, come to the necessary conclusions that allows me to do what I am requested to do within the sequence. Mm. So you could say that I no longer look outside of the sequence for answers to the sequence almost. Mm. I can look inside the sequence to figure out how it can reveal itself to me. That makes sense. Some of that? Yeah, that makes total sense. I hear you. I remember one time when I came to practice with you in Miami and I was going through a bit of a challenge physically, some pain, some discomfort. And you said, Oh, the honeymoon is now over. And, and, um, <laughs> and I, I hadn't really looked at it like that. Like I, I, I think I was in a honeymoon phase where, you know, like you, you, you enjoy a certain level of, competence and or youthful flexibility and strength that just feels like a, a rocket engine where you're just like so enthralled with it and then something shifts at a point where maybe it's not easy anymore and and I, I really appreciated when you said that because I was like oh maybe that is what's going on I was in my honeymoon phase and now now I'd really got to get down to the nitty-gritty work here and uh um, I'm finding, I'm finding that I, I really enjoy doing the standing poses and whereas before I just wanted to hurry through them, can you lend any insights into maybe a time or a place or a point where you've purposefully just taken smaller sections and tried to do like what you said, like let the, let the work of the pose or the focus on the pose be the, the answer almost. Yeah. Uh. You were also so talented, Todd. You could do everything, man. <laughs> you know, so when you finally came in and you started to have a little issue with some of those advanced postures, it was like, you know, I, w I could stop being jealous at you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, finally, Todd is in trouble. Finally, <laughs> finally, yeah. <laughs> right? It's, so, uh, yeah, you, you, you... But I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, and I, uh, I think it's an important step to come to, you know, like where the practice begins to transcend entertainment. Mm. And uh, that it's not just, we're not just doing it because it's giving us a thrill. Um, there's nothing wrong with the practice giving us a thrill, but we can expect that it'll do that mm -hmm. uh, for the rest of our lives, just like anything else that is interesting in the beginning. It's going to, you know, at some moment it's going to start to be a little bit more of a grind. Mm. But in regards to the yoga practice, you know, have so much um, experience, personal experience, and also faith in the, in the system that it has so many benefits to us on emotional levels, physical levels, uh, mental levels. So, and we see it every day when, when we're doing our practice that how it, how we just somewhat, uh, I don't know, I should speak for myself. I like myself better that day. Yeah. You know, I feel I am, yep. 
I'm a kinder person to myself and to other people. Um, I take decisions slightly differently. In a, it's just working for me, the whole situation. That's cool, Tim. Um, but, you know, if we, we look at asana practice, uh, yoga uh, postures, in the grander scheme of things, the Indian philosophy, the yoga is often prescribed to people that either has physical ailments or has trouble concentrating. Mm. That it's a place where we go for to learn discipline. We go there to learn the necessary uh, skill set so we can pursue whatever we want to pursue. Mm. <clears throat> that we are able to strive really strongly forward uh, towards uh, something that is less attractive to us and we are willing to make the necessary sacrifices that needs to be done along the way to get there. Mm. Just like when we go into our yoga practice and if we want to learn to do a really good handstand, we're going to have to accept to look like a fool and fall down for a while <clears throat> and getting our ego bruised. And we're going to have to accept to work so, so hard so it's not necessarily a comfortable physical sensation that is the guiding principle mm. but there's some kind of striving that we are going for which goes beyond the comfort or discomfort in the moment um, and I feel that the uh, daily inquiry into such a principle mm. uh, that has the possibility to transform us for the better uh, as human beings yeah, that's awesome, Sam. At, at least that I feel that happens to me, and I see it happening to to so many people. And, yeah. and so, how about you? Thought I would, you probably in the same boat somewhat, aren't you? Yeah, I feel, <clears throat> I definitely uh, feel that there's been that shift personally from my striving and achievement side to uh, just really appreciating the simple things of trying to straighten my leg and just keep my leg straight. So I think mm. you, like you said, the concentration thing, I like how you mentioned that mm. uh, initially it was a, a, an application to solve either, you know, lack of concentration or if there was a, mm. an ailment. Um, I agree, Tim. I think that that's, that's what I'm finding uh, the, 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 the pleasure of it now. But I, I think there is definitely that process. I, I've noticed with uh, now uh, where we're another question I have for you in, in regards to our current situation of practicing with the technologies of Zoom and teaching through Zoom and because we've been social distancing and all that good stuff. I found it, um, you know, really interesting not doing hands on assist as a teacher and or even receiving um, assists and just really getting comfortable or that even that process has been fairly revelatory in terms of just doing the practice and and then if I know no one's there to help me and I, or I'm, I'm purposefully choosing to not receive help that just kind of getting really comfortable with the fact that oh man I'm not catching my hands there or I'm not touching my head on my leg over there and um, and just getting more into trying and, and not 
put myself into pain at the same time. <laughs> so it's such an incredibly dynamic experience that I still feel so inspired by it, even though I feel like I'm slipping at times like into a <laughs> into a regression. <laughs> but uh, I I would I would agree, Tim. I um I guess on that note, I would like to ask you uh, what what are some observations that you've had surrounding the current pandemic and and how we've had to adjust as teachers and studio owners? Well, first of all, if you'd asked me half a year ago if I would start to teach daily master classes on Zoom, I would have thought you were out of your mind. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, are you kidding? That'll never work. That's ridiculous that you can even suggest it. Like, <laughs> you know, but uh, just because of my own closed mind, closed mindedness, but you know, then came March, and suddenly we were forced to either stop doing yoga or stop teaching yoga to our students, yeah. absent in that way, or to find another way. And Zoom came along and proved the, a super valuable tool, I think, yeah. the, the next best thing to be in the room with the teacher. Yeah. I still think that being in that room is more powerful, um, than anything, yeah. um, but I have been very, very positively surprised. Uh, my prejudice has been pushed yeah. uh, against the technology by working on Zoom, and I feel it's really possible um, to uh, to get some some real teaching, some real yoga school there. One of my first experiences was I was teaching uh, some people that I've known for years. And there was one guy whom I had taught a little bit off and on for maybe three years. And um, he put, you know, we have to learn how to put our camera and stuff, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. And he put his camera so I could only see his feet up to his uh, shorts. Uh-huh. And um, so that was the view I had of him practicing, and he was practicing there. And uh, suddenly I realized, hey, man. He doesn't use his legs. They're uh-huh. kind of like inactive and passive. Yeah. And suddenly I realized, and I had never seen it before, but because of this technology, I saw something new that I hadn't noticed with the yoga shop. Yeah. And I started to work with him on that, and I gave him very simple instructions on how to, how to begin to use more active leg work. And his entire yoga practice and his upper body and everything started to wake up. That's and cool. That was a big lesson for me. Like, oh, yeah. this is working. I would never have realized it. Uh-huh. It could have been another three years there in the shower before I had seen you. That's an interesting idea just in practice to say, <clears throat> I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to help you with a private. On purpose, I just want you to put the camera on your feet yeah. and nowhere else. <laughs> That's yeah. a really that's a, that's a good idea because you're right. You could, you could you see it from a, a a whole different perspective, and then and then obviously from working from the ground up. Like if you started to really tackle it right there, that's yeah. a really cool idea, Tim. That's a, that's a good insight. And you know, I've heard from some of the the people in class what they've been really inspired from because. So I don't know how you do it and how other people do, it, but I sit there and then I'm like, hey, Todd. Um, come over to the camera for a moment and then you come to the camera and we'll talk a little bit about, you know, when you're doing this, could we try this next time? We 
do it one more time. So I do that sometimes, and sometimes I just do some some instruction while you, you're practicing. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is, like, usually that's a very private affair where when yeah. you, you've been one into the yoga shell, I'll come down, I'll speak in a low voice to you, and we'll figure something else out. Yeah. And no one else would really have an idea about what's going on. Yeah. But on Zoom, everybody can hear the conversation. Yeah. So when people come back to me, say, it's like, wow, that's really interesting you know, concepts in the air here that I've never thought about before. That even though I'm not doing that asana, that really helped me in other place in my practice. Or it really helped me understand what the practice is about or what yoga is. And I, you know, from seeing from 10,000 feet, something like that. That's but, you know, it's been many uh, surprisingly positive side effects of the Zoom teaching. Yeah, that's really cool, Tim. I agree. I think uh, it's good to be able to have that open mind perspective and and see the 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 positives that are coming out of it. That's awesome. And and I mean, I know like when I watch your travel schedule, um, like you and Kino both get around. Like you guys travel hardcore, and and you guys obviously have have, have not for a while. What? How are you adjusting to that? Are you finding that refreshing? Are you finding that you miss it? What what's your what's your vibe going with that? Well, you know, of course, from a financial point of view, it's difficult because that's our income that is being removed yeah. right there. So we've tried to to find the income streams otherwise. Teaching on Zoom, for instance. But um, so I have been all. My, all my classes, uh, all my traveling has been canceled since the uh, middle of March mm. and so far it's September. Yeah. So, you know, that gets me a bit worried sometimes. You know, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills, but not going to work so far. Things have worked out. Yeah. Let's see how they continue. I hear you. Um, from, uh, from here. But, and I do miss it. You know, there is that thing in the shower where you can hear the breath. Mm. And where you can, where transmission just happens a little bit right. more easily, and it's like you know, and you can every now and then you gotta go around or go to a, a student and help that person get that yeah. arm in place and physically place it there and show it there, and so the student get the feeling while this is really possible. Now, those are some of the things that I miss on the on shoot right now. Yeah. I hear you, Tim. That's a that's a good point. The very first time that we reopened a public class, the when we chanted the the mantra together, gave me a yeah. that that re- reminded feel that that reminder of how important it is, or to have that direct vibration going without yeah. the the implement in between. Um, yeah. I, something you have to think interaction. There's something I mystical almost <laughs> it's, uh... I hear you it's it's uh it's interesting too because a lot of times when we think about the societal aspect of going to a yoga class it seems like well I go to the class and I go to learn when I'm in the class and then when the class is over I go home but the interaction that happens between people in the waiting room in the room mm-hmm. waiting before it starts in the locker room going out for a coffee after is where a lot of the learning happens in that sort of uh, trading stories and conversation. And 
Um, mm-hmm. I think that that also is something that that reminds me that the social element of being around people um, is is something that we all look forward to again. <laughs> I think you know, it's, uh, I think the, the Buddhists call it sangha, a uh, community. Mm. Speak about it like that, you know, without the support of our community, there's no support around us. It gets really hard. But then it's just our own efforts, basically, that needs to be, you know taking care of the entire paradigm. But mm. when we have friends around us that is supportive of our interests, then it becomes easier and also more delightful. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, we are in situations where we're the only one that thinks getting the leg behind the head is necessary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else is like, what are you thinking <laughs> about, man? So we have to convince the entire world that, you know, waking up early and doing yoga asana and therefore going to bed (laughs) early and not drinking just as much tequila as our (laughs) previous community would like us to. That, um, that when, you know, that when we have people that tell us like, oh, you gave up tequila too and you go to bed at nine. Oh, yeah. You know, somehow, you know, it's very supportive of these new possibilities changes that we're going through that's it that's it man tim well i'm i'm really thankful to have the opportunity to talk with you so casually and to to uh you know over the years have a chance to to practice with you and you've given me a ton of inspiration i the last time i got a chance to practice with you on zoom and take a workshop with you was uh was a really great experience and I, i learned a lot from being able to see how you interacted with everybody. And I thought, what well, I thought you did an incredible job and <clears throat> really it was, it was a pleasure. And I, I guess before we say goodbye here on this conversation, is there any other thing you would like to offer our listeners, uh, in terms of some inspiration, motivation, or any, any thoughts or concerns you'd like to express? I don't know. You know, I think we're all struggling right now, and I think there's so many uncertainties. I think the what I'm trying to do myself is to keep my head as clear as possible and my nervous system as calm as possible because when that happens, I take better decisions. Yeah. So I'm trying to get on my mat every day to do some yoga because I know that that flushes out my anxiety level. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, and I hope that everyone that listens in has some tool um, to find a way to stay reasonably peaceful inside, to uh, thin out, to weed out some of the anxiety. And um, and I just think that we all got to accept right now to live in uncertainty at that many of the rules that we've been taken for granted for a long time that they are they are off and we just have to find ourselves we it we have to come to terms with this new normal that we are experiencing right now mm-hmm. while we are waiting for hopefully a day where we can go back to something that was more about the old not the old way of living. Yeah. And I think that yoga is an exceptional way to do that. Not the only way at all, but I think it's an exceptional way to do that. Whether in the Shala or on Zoom or privately at home, you know, 
by ourselves. Awesome, Tim. Thank you so much. I want to offer our, both from Tamara and I our sincere appreciation. Please send our love to Kino, and we can't wait to uh, get a chance to see you guys in person again. And um, and are going to keep joining in with you on the on the Zoom world to get keep motivated here. Hey. Thank you so much for speaking to me today. It's a pleasure to do it like this or over coffee or any which way. So thanks for having me. And I know that you and Tamara and your kids, you're doing good and you're healthy. And uh, that makes me happy. Thank you, Tim. All right. Well, I'm going to catch up with you soon here. We'll, we'll do this again. All right. Take care. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you, Tim. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Native Yoga Toddcast. We really appreciate it and we hope you enjoyed. Remember that if you'd like to learn more about upcoming classes, workshops, teacher trainings, and our online yoga studio, all of which you can access at nativeyogacenter.com, your support is greatly appreciated. Have a wonderful day.